This episode is sponsored by our friends at YCharts. Thousands of financial advisors, asset managers, and investors rely on YCharts to develop insights, make smarter investment decisions, and effectively communicate with prospects and clients. With industry-leading tools, you're empowered to create compelling visuals that emphasize the strengths of your investment strategies. For more information, start a free trial at YCharts.com or follow on Twitter at YCharts. Now, we hope you enjoy this episode of the 7 Investing Podcast. Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to today's edition of our Seven Investing Podcast. I'm Seven Investing founder and CEO Simon Erickson, joined by my colleague, Seven Investing lead advisor Steve Symington. Uh, we're going to be chatting about robotics today. It's a topic we've been following quite a bit in recent years, and we always like to bring in Brian Gosman and Jen Kwan. Uh, to chat about the topic here with us. Brian is the Chief Investment Officer at the Contigo Capital Group and the Portfolio Manager of the Alpha Centric Robotics and Automation Fund. Ticker on that is GNXIX. Brian and Jen, welcome to the 7 Investing Podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you so much. We always love chatting with you guys. I know that you have a little bit of a different perspective on the robotics industry. You're not investing in the most obvious, largest companies that are out there. Um, you're looking sometimes for kind of the smaller names or the, or the less obvious ones. But I guess maybe the first question I have for you, Brian, is can you just tell us about what's going on in robotics at 10,000 foot level and maybe the strategy you have for your fund? Sure. Uh, well, so, you know, as I've mentioned before, um, we're not investing in companies that are using robotics and automation. We're investing in the companies that make the robots and uh, automation. So it's, it's, a, it's a pure play. Um, as opposed to getting in the weeds with uh, people that benefit from it, because almost every industry group benefits from using robotics and automation. So it's specifically a pure play. And there are larger names that we invest in. Fanuc uh, in Japan is a very large company, well-known for industrial automation. Intuitive Surgical is a huge robotics uh, company in the medical field. So it's not just that we're looking at um, smaller microcap companies. Um, it's just that we're specifically focused on pure plays in robotics and automation. Um, and, I, and I guess uh, for a grand overview right now, uh, we're all obviously seeing a lot of turmoil in the marketplace. Um, you know, people are scared of the word innovation. Uh, there's a lot of babies being thrown out with the bathwater here. Um, you know, we're talking about, oh, maybe a 25 basis point Fed rate hike here and there, and maybe there's five or maybe there's seven. Um, and that's just got the market all up in arms about, um, about growth. But you know what? Before COVID, when interest rates were normalized, these companies were moving. These companies were performing. It, it, it doesn't matter. And so I just think that the knee-jerk reaction recently um, to the talk about interest rates, it's way, way, way overblown. Um, but it has created somewhat of a buying opportunity in uh, in a lot of these names, and we'll discuss uh, a few of the different names um, today on the phone. But you know, on top of you know the scares about interest rate hikes, we're also facing higher inflation than we've experienced, and, and uh, you know the inflation is increasing faster than it has in decades. Um, and you know, it's a lot of people are saying that that is due to the Fed's monetary or the monetary policy easing on interest rates, but uh, I, th I think it's different this time. You know, in 2008, um, the, 
after 2008, the financial collapse, the Fed kind of, um, you know, decreased interest rates and had an easing uh, monetary policy uh, to try to stimulate, but we did not see inflation spike when, when the Fed uh, changed the monetary policy in 2008. Uh, but we didn't see the inflation spike that we're seeing right now. So what's different? Well, we also went through COVID. Um, so we had increased stimulus that went out. So we did, we did print some more money, obviously. But on top of that, with, uh, and I'm not going to get into policy or opinions on this, but we had, you know, we had a lot of COVID mandates and um, restrictions, and we had social distancing. Uh, and now we're, you know, we still have uh, vaccine mandates, and some people aren't very happy with those. We've seen a lot of the, you know, the trucker protests uh, recently. So we've, we have a supply chain issue now. Also on top of that, and I believe that um, the rapid increase in inflation is actually more uh, related closer to the mandates and the COVID restrictions than it actually is to uh, Fed's monetary policy. Um, and we believe that some of these robotics and automation companies are, are really uh, poised to be able to alleviate some of this bottleneck in the supply chain um, and act as somewhat of a new toolbox uh, or tool in the toolbox that we have now uh, besides adjusting interest rates uh, to actually fight um, the increasing inflation. And so Jim's going to talk about a couple of those companies and how uh, they can actually possibly help bring down inflation. Um, so I guess we'll toss it to Jen at this point. Yeah, so <clears throat> we've been looking at three companies specifically, uh, Aurora Innovations, ticker symbol AUR, and then GXO, uh, which is a spinoff of XPO Logistics. Uh, the reason why we looked into those three companies is, like Brian mentioned, is the supply chain issues that we're facing right now and the shortage of labor as well. So uh, Aurora Innovation is a self-driving AI. They're transforming how goods are transferred to people and moving around the world. And we see that that's a leader in the industry. They have uh, two companies, Petcar and Volvo. And they're the two of the four biggest truck manufacturers in the world. And they're focused on the trucking space, which is a $700 billion market in the United States right now. And the reason why we want to look at that company is just right now, we have about 60,000 uh, driver shortage. And with the protests that are going on up in Canada and now there's going to be about 160,000 160, uh, personnel shortage for drivers. And that's going to lead into more and more demand for drivers in the future. And we see that automation is going to be an important toolbox to alleviate uh, this labor shortage that we have going on and also accounting for the fuel as well. So we're looking at AUR specifically because we're really uh, interested in their technology. They not only have partners with Uber and Amazon, they recently acquired Uber's automation driving division. And what really excites, about, excites us about that is because of the data that Uber has accumulated within their existence, 
Uh, now they can have an exact crystal ball of the time, location, the best routes for calculating the ROI. So it, it prints us a very efficient road mapping system they have, and as well as they have an in-house, uh, they call it the first LiDAR system that we believe it's top of the world and versus all the competition. Um, I think the technology is really advanced. Uh, it's because of the, how they measure their LiDARs. So basic LiDARs work, works as a, they send out like a huge, very bright light impulse that captures the incoming and outbounding lights. But how Aurora is thinking about it is they measure the interferences and the phase differences between them. And they're able to estimate distances that are 10 to 20 fold amplifications. So using a less stronger source, they're able to get more information. And they don't, that eliminates a lot of like interferences from sunlights or halogen lights, other light sources that are out there. And they couple this with the Doppler shifts. You know, it's something that if an ambulance goes by, you see that you hear the distortions. So they have a sensor that is able to see how fast things are moving towards or away. And also coupling that with cameras, radars, and LIDARs, they have a new time-sensitive network switch, which incorporates all this data into million seconds in the millionth of a second. So we're really excited about the innovations that Aurora Innovations are having, and they're very focused, focused on delivering the trucking space. And moving on to XPO Logistics and GXO, uh, they're the leader in freight moving around the world. Uh, they're focused on less than a truckload. So they're, uh, they manage inventory and they're second in the market right now. DHL is nine, per, they captured 9% of the market, but GXO is capturing 5% of the market. And while we're interested in GXO versus DHL is that there's gonna be a huge demand in e-commerce. It's barely 20% penetrated right now. I think it's about 13.8%. And this shipping company, as well as a warehouse company, um, the all their sourcing information is very tied to automation and tech. The when you compare the other competition, only five percent of it is tech en enabled, but their company is thirty percent tech enabled. So they do a lot of interesting things where they have a small order automated packaging where they scan the size of the packages and run it through a machine that's automated and customize these boxes that are perfectly sized and the shipping label goes out. So they're able to save the end user about five to 7% in labor productivity. So looking at these three companies, I feel that it would be really beneficial for investors to um, help with the supply chain issues that we're facing today. That's a uh, lots of interesting points. I mean, a lot, lot to dig into there. It, it is interesting yeah, that you guys have singled in on uh, um, the uh, the like labor shortages and supply chain issues. And you know, it's funny because I was just reading a press release uh, from a few weeks ago from a company called UiPath. I'm sure you're familiar there as well, like robotic process automation, so software based 
uh, robots. And they, they said that I think 78% of executives are likely to invest more in automation uh, to offset the current labor shortage in general. Um, so, I mean, yeah, definitely backing up uh, kind of the, some of the research that you're doing and, and singling in on those companies. Um, you mentioned other um, other uh, other stocks. Uh, there was a couple that you mentioned last time around. I'm, I'm kind of curious if you could hand us an update on those. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, I guess not everybody can be Apple, right, and have this supply chain mastery that sort of commands uh, attention and uh, and and. Uh, supply uh, in order to fill your products because you're the big guy. Uh, but these smaller companies that are struggling, um, yeah, it's interesting. I like that you're focusing on the pure play. Um, but as far as those other companies that you mentioned before, Accuray and Stereotaxis, I think we talked about on our last podcast. I think they've both seen a bit of a pullback in, in, in general, um, just along with, well, everything that's been happening in the markets right now. Um, any updates uh, maybe shifting toward the surgical robotics space uh, that you can provide? Sure, sure. So, yes, I mean, everything in actually in the whole medical device arena altogether has, has kind of taken a bit of a hit. Um, I mean, I personally feel that um, that space in general, especially with surgical robotics, uh, now is a really great entry point. Uh, I think that we've gone pretty much as low as we can possibly go. Some of these companies are trading underneath their, you know, below their, their book value. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but with, so, you know, with stereo taxes, uh, for example, um, and they have their earnings release on, on third of, uh, on March, but so for 2022, they're expected, the revenue growth expected to be up by 30% year over year, uh, 23 up by 41% with revenues of over, uh, over 62 million next year. Um, they're also, uh, looking to have their proprietary catheter um, FDA approved uh, early next year, which will cut down on some of the costs because they're currently um, outsourcing uh, their catheter. But on top of that, they had an investor day presentation um, back in August and they've announced their system, the Genesis system, which we've talked about and to no end, you know, multiple times. Um, but they're gonna be focusing on other, uh, other procedures now. Um, they're going to be going in neurovascular, um, uh, aortic aneurysms, peripheral artery disease, uh, multi, multiple different procedures besides uh, the heart ablation um, itself. So that's, a, I mean, that's a huge marketplace. It's a $30 billion TAM right there. Uh, so, I mean, the 12-month price target on this thing is, you know, uh, the average like 1125. It's like 142% increase over what it's trading at right now um and whether it's this conference call or the next one um it's going to be probably the first time that serotex actually has earnings so we talked about before you know some of the companies i invest in they have revenues but they don't necessarily have earnings yet but serotex is about to you know actually have positive earnings um and so just lumping all of these companies together and just throwing them out is ridiculous right now mm -hmm. there's there's also suitors uh looking at zero taxes right now we, we keep hearing um oh uh zero taxes is the intuitive surgical of uh you know of the cardiac arena well we've heard that a lot lately and there's somebody from you know intuitive surgical has joined zero taxes board um and we know zero tech our intuitive is looking at them we know johnson johnson is looking at them 
Right. Um, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be an acquisition candidate on my radar, on my list. Um, I would have to say that, uh, that's the case with this. So I've actually been adding to Stereo Texas, uh, recently. It's a great price, uh, to come in at, um, and lower some cost basis. On top of that, um, there's another company that's come out recently. It's called Procept Biorobotics. Hmm. Ticker's PRCT. And so what they focus on is aquablation therapy for prosthetic hyperplasia. I'm not going to go into what the surgical procedure is, but I'll just say that it deals with enlarged prostate uh, and urinary surgeries. But they have the Aquabeam robotic system, um, which is the first and only image-guided robotic uh, system um, that focuses on prosthetic hyperplasia. And um, it removes tissue um, around inflamed prostate. We're talking about uh, benign uh, prosthetic hyperplasia, not um, not cancerous. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so Procept is the first company uh, an only company that has a robotic system that specifically focuses on uh, on prosthetic hyperplasia, um, and that's surprising because intuitive surgical claim to fame is you know uh, urinary and, and and you know that's where they really got started. Um, so Procept blows them out of the water. They IPO'd uh, back in September around thirty five bucks. I think the average price target on the street for them is um, I don't uh, forty three bucks. It's trading at twenty one dollars right now. Uh, they do have earnings. They, it wasn't a DSPAC. It was an IPO. I mean, it's a le- this is a legitimate company that, that uh, has FDA approval, making sales, um, but once again has been taken out with everything else that, uh, that is innovative. And I, I mean, I personally believe that Procept uh, should be trading at around $50 a share, um, but they don't have any competition. And so there's another... Um, there's some synergy there, I guess. There's another takeout candidate because it's kind of embarrassing to intuitive to, to let Procept come out and walk right in their space uh, and just, you know, kind of destroy it. So uh, that's another interesting one. And then finally, uh, I think we talked about, we, I think we mentioned Vicarious Surgical last time we talked, but it was trading at $15 a share and they didn't have FDA approval and they didn't have obviously revenue sales or anything. Um, and so I said, there's no way. There's no way that's worth $15. I said, if it goes down around five bucks, I might be interested. Well, it did. And I am. <laughs> now. Uh, and so, uh, but the technology that Vicarious has, it, it's, I mean, it, it's mind blowing. It's better than a lot of the other, anything else we've really seen. I mean, with the, with the, with the VR headsets, uh, along with the um, increased amount of, uh, I mean, just sub millimeters that right. their tools can actually perform um in comparison with intuitive or anybody else um it's fascinating um and it, it's it's really it's really groundbreaking and i've actually talked to some doctors that are very excited about uh vicarious system and, and that's really who you want to talk to you know yeah. when it comes to measuring who which one which of these equipment are the best um so yeah so i do like vicarious now it did go where i said it was going to go and uh, that is uh, actually uh, part of our portfolio now. Interesting. Um, that's. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Vicarious, just to sort of uh, contrast it some of those that are FDA approved. I mean, to be clear, it did. It received breakthrough designation, right, uh, by the FDA, but it still hasn't even filed its first uh, 510K. 
Uh, I think that's expected by like the end of next year. Uh, so long way to go there, but yeah, really interesting company uh, in Vicarious. And, and I agree, I, it popped up back up onto my radar uh, at, at current levels just recently. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the others. We're gonna put a, a, a pin in uh, Stereo Taxis and Procept as potential acquisition candidates. And if they do get acquired, I'll uh, make a surgical, surgical or maso robotics, then uh, we'll, we'll give you an extra nod. I think maybe striker Medtronic will step out or, and do that as well. But uh, yeah, that, that I think uh, we do see, uh, I agree. Um, some M and a in this space, especially with this as depressed as so many of these names are. Uh, and Simon and I have talked about that a bit uh, on our own as well, just in general, uh, some, some M&A activity that, that probably needs to happen or, or will if it hasn't already. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting and, and lots of good names to, to, uh, to jot down uh, if you're listening uh, for at least for your watch list, if not for a, a starter position, um, especially. But uh, Simon, you look like you're... Uh, Brian, I did want to change gears and talk about one other topic too. You know, we know that Wall Street has, has seen a lot of volatility and they're going to pay whatever multiples they want to on tech companies right now. They've certainly been compressed and you brought up some great points there. We can't, we can't do anything about that, but I wanted to ask about the fundamentals, you know, the growth rates that you're seeing for a lot of these companies. You said that a lot of them were up even triple digits. Um, we are in the middle of a semiconductor chip shortage globally. And I'm certain that this is impacting, at least in some way, small robotics companies. But are you seeing in the companies that you cover this being a long-term factor to their growth, just the supply of chips that they're able to get for the products that they're developing? Or do you think that this is uh, perhaps a lot of those uh, pressures and the shortages are easing a little bit lately? Uh, I mean, I... Definitely, and when you look at some of the reports, like some of the big names, uh, Fanuc in Japan and, and Yasukawa, um, you know, they are actually seeing um, the bottleneck freeing up a little bit as far as semiconductors. But they also, um, for some reason, um, had the foresight to backstock uh, a, a whole lot of uh, semiconductors and production materials themselves. Um, and they were able to actually withstand and continue uh, production and growth during uh, this period of the semiconductor shortage and supply chain issues because they actually backstock those materials, um, which, which was kind of brilliant. Um, but we are seeing, um, I mean, the growth, the growth numbers still uh, on, on those large companies are, you know, uh, 40% year over year, um, even during COVID uh, and this uh, semiconductor shortage. So um, so those continue to perform very well. Um, China is actually, has the largest demand right now for robotics, uh, just, just over the United States. Um, and, but China has had some, um, you know, actually a lot more stringent COVID restrictions, uh, over the past, you know, uh, six months to a year or so. So, so that is the only, I guess, hindrance, uh, more than any supply chain issues, but, um, just China's demand because their manufacturing has been um, kind of slow due to their their mandates. Um, but as COVID and Omicron um, kind of start to fade, I mean, we're never going to get rid of COVID. It'll, there'll always be some variant out there. It's fine because we all have, we have the flu uh, every year and that never goes away either. But um, it seems as caseloads are decreasing and China's revamping up their manufacturing, um, that's only adding to 
what I said, 30 or 40% year over year growth that's already been going on during COVID. So um, with the strategic backstocking of materials, supplies, semiconductors that these companies were doing, um, yeah, they're, they're thriving uh, right now, especially with, you know, uh, I brought up before during COVID with six feet of separation and, and, and issues with manufacturing, a lot of companies have adopted a robot to be in the middle, you know, of those six feet of separation between the two people. And there are also um, these companies, uh, Fanuc, Gaspawa, they're leasing out robots now for surge. They're surge bots, I guess, basically. So if you're a company and you've got, you know, this whole distribution facility and you're, you're full of product, you don't have enough labor process, you can actually lease some of these robots called surge robotic leasing. Um, and they've seen a 30% increase in uh, companies that do lease these robots that actually keep them and buy out the lease. Um, and so that's happening a lot right now as well. And so that's an additional line of revenue, uh, revenue stream for many of these robotics companies. That makes a lot of sense. I know Steve, you and I have chatted about that as a service uh, opportunity before. And Jen, I wanted to get one more question in for you too about the logistics. Um, I, I wanted to ask if, if you have assumptions on these logistical carriers, what percentage of their fleet do you think that will eventually be um, autonomous rather than, than human drivers? And do you have an idea of kind of what timelines we'd start seeing those rolled out by? I know there's a lot of chatter about the AI, the autonomous, you know, that's certainly been going on for years, but when, how, how long until we start seeing self-driving truck fleets and um, kind of what percentage of the overall fleet do you think that would be? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's going to be really dependent upon demand as well uh, and the issues regarding such, if we are still are experiencing this like exponential increase of labor shortages, uh, someone has to step in because we can't really have the supply chain issues for such a long time. So I think that's going to focus more policymakers and investors to start really looking at AI self-driving because that's going to be the obvious solution there. So I think it will really depend on how much need there is for the drivers. And there's an increasing need every year because of the such a shortage. So I'm not really sure about the exact timeline, but Significantly, it's been growing exponentially, I would say, because just the demand and the problems that we're facing right now. It makes a lot of sense. Steve, that checks off the list of questions I had. Anything else that you want to ask Brian and Jen before we close out? Oh, maybe just, uh, we, we talked about this just a little bit in the beginning, but uh, where, where can they find you uh, to, to reiterate? How, how do people uh, find you guys if they want to? Uh, they can... Go to the, my website. Uh, they can watch an episode of Seven Investing. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm uh, I'm a really uh, I'm really easy to connect to. You know, my 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 numbers out there on on multiple uh, websites. I'm open to phone calls with potential investors, anybody, anytime. Um, and I try to always make myself available. If anybody has any questions, I mean, email, give me a phone call. Um, and yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and like and the seven investing episode answer the most, I think. That's, yeah, that's that, my favorite that, way for people to get in touch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a solid answer. And again, the, the ticker on that Alpha Centrics Robotics and Automation Fund is GNXIX, correct? Yep. And, uh, and, and I love, again, um, to reiterate that it's a pure play. You know, this isn't like uh, a, a couple prominent, like, space etfs that were launched recently for example where you have netflix and deer in there because they benefit from space and and uh no this is this is a a pure play robotics um fund and and uh you know i, I love the way you've kind of approached that the company's actually making them uh rather than uh maybe sort of your peripheral all right this benefits from robotics uh kind of play um really really uh, neat approach and and go in the pure play route Absolutely. And a reminder for anyone who's tuning in, you know, Brian Gosman and, and uh, Jin Kwan are both with the Contigo Capital Group. Uh, Brian's a portfolio manager. The fund we've been chatting about is the Alpha Centric Robotics and Automation Fund. Again, G-N-X-I-X was the ticker on that one. Brian and Jin, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us on the 7 Investing Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Always fun. And stay warm up north, whether you're in Minnesota or Montana. We don't have the problem down here in Texas, but uh, wishing everyone a speedy uh, spring <laughs> to offset the negative 40 wind chill that Steve's going through. We appreciate you tuning in for this episode of our 7 Investing Podcast. We're here to empower you to invest in your future. We'll see you next time. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.